When we return, more on Lincoln's re-election with David Long and Jerry Prokopovitz from East Carolina University. This is Civil War Talk Radio. How much time each day do you spend managing your personal or business calendar? 15 minutes, a half an hour, maybe more. Is the conference room available for next week's meeting? And how many people do you have to ask to find out? Have you ever misplaced or, worse yet, lost your day planner or handheld device? And what do you do about that missing information? Do you own or operate a salon or carpet cleaning business? How about a realty office or any one of a thousand other service-based organizations? Can your customers make their appointments even when your office is closed? If any of this sounds familiar, then Schedule Online is the solution for you. For more information, call toll-free 888-668-3355. That's 888-668-3355. Or visit us online at www.schedulonline.com. Do you dream of owning your own business? Franchising may hold the key. Invest in a proven business with proven results. Not sure where to start? Franchise Solutions can help. Franchise Solutions has helped thousands of entrepreneurs find a business to fit their goals and dreams. Find information on hundreds of franchise and business opportunities, as well as tips, advice, and tons of franchise-related resources. Franchise Solutions. Find the business that's right for you. Visit us online today at www.FranchiseSolutions.com. World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich at East Carolina University, and with me today is David Long, also of East Carolina University. We're talking about the election of 1864, Lincoln's bid for re-election during America's Great Civil War. David, we were talking before the break about uh, the options within the Republican Party in 1864, whether Lincoln might not have been the candidate. Right. Uh, you mentioned Grant. Uh, you mentioned Chase. Yeah. What happened to, to uh, Salmon P. Chase was Lincoln's Secretary of the Treasury. You described how he uh, made a run for the presidency or for the nomination, mm-hmm. and that was uh, quickly shot down. Right. What did Lincoln do with him afterwards? Here's his own cabinet member trying to undercut him. Uh, how did he well, handle that? It, it was it was not the beginnings of, of a tortured relationship between uh, Lincoln and Chase uh, during the war. There had been a number of things that had happened prior to that that had demonstrated. Uh, uh, I, one, one Civil War historian said one time the only person he, he, he believed Lincoln ever really hated uh, was Salmon Chase, and there, there may be some merit to that. Uh, Chase was a remarkably um, vain uh, human being who uh, I think clearly always considered himself a, a superior to Lincoln and a, and a, uh, a, a better person to uh, be, be president. Um, he, I think there were five times during the war that he tendered his resignation to Secretary of the Treasury, and on each occasion Lincoln refused them because, frankly, uh, Chase was a very good Secretary of the Treasury, if not a very loyal uh, cabinet member to his president. Um, ultimately, uh, things became so strained uh, that spring that um, 
that a sixth time when, when Chase tendered his resignation, Lincoln, Lincoln finally did accept it. And then shortly after that, with the death of Roger Taney, who had been the uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, who wrote the Dred Scott opinion, uh, Lincoln uh, appointed Salmon Chase to be Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. A very interesting uh, thing to do after having uh, accepted his resignation because of a, a, a difficult relationship between the two of them. Uh, but, but Chase had always, always existed as sort of the potential uh, challenger candidate to Lincoln's uh, nomination, even after um, that that winter when his uh, trial balloon was sort of pricked, when in August and September, many Republicans felt they were that Lincoln was going to be defeated and they needed another candidate, and they began to call meetings uh, to be held to discuss the holding of a second convention to nominate somebody different. Uh, Chase always uh, existed as as the uh, as the primary person who, who, in their eyes, should be the nominee of the party or Benjamin Butler. Uh, the former Democrat uh, political general uh, during the war who had uh, uh, done the controversial things he had at uh, Fort Monroe and then uh, New Orleans. Um, but, but there was never that solidarity behind Lincoln that you would expect from a uh, first-term president coming to the end of his term and uh, renominated by his party. It was always at risk, even after the convention that nominated him for the second term. There was uh, there were attempts to uh, to undo that nomination and, and put somebody else they considered more worthy or stronger uh, in in his place. So uh, Chase attempts to to wrest the nomination from Lincoln and his punishment is that he becomes the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. <laughs> well, I'm not sure there was a direct a, a, a direct causal relationship such as that, but it, it, ultimately that's how it works out, yes. Who was it who said uh, Lincoln was never a good hater? Was that David? <laughs> I wish I could remember. It, it's a great line, though. <laughs> I think it's evidence of that. Uh, yes, it is. I, I agree completely. Let, let me turn the conversation to the mechanics of the election itself. Uh, okay. How how did Lincoln campaign for the presidency in 1864? Obviously, there are no 527 attack ads. <laughs> there are no... Uh, uh, no, and this is a time in American history when when uh, presidents or, or potential presidents uh, didn't actively uh, campaign themselves. So uh, he, he relied upon others to... Uh, campaign for him, and he tried, uh, frankly, to look as presidential as possible. He made very few public appearances uh, as president, made very few speeches, um, and, and seldom traveled uh, outside of uh, Washington. Um, um, his, um, the, the things he did, the Gettysburg Address in November of 1863, was I think for more than just political effect, he did give a speech at this, uh, a, a fundraiser for the Sanitary Commission in Baltimore uh, that spring. But for the most part, he stayed uh, on task uh, with the war, which really was consuming him as, as president. It was a uh, night and day uh, kind of thing. Uh, so he did little himself, uh, relying instead on the uh, various committees of the Republican Party or the Union Party uh, to, uh, to 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 wage the campaign, but he was in serious trouble. He was in serious trouble up through the end of August. Well, what uh, uh, in terms of campaigning, 
was there uh, did, did he, either side or both sides use negative campaigning? Oh my goodness! Yes, this is a there, there was ex, this is extremely negative campaign. Um, Lincoln was accused of, of, of many things. Uh, the uh, the miscegenation controversy of 1864 uh, arose because uh, a couple of uh, workers at the uh, Democratic newspaper, the New York World, uh, concocted a scheme to um, to make it appear that the Republicans actually uh, supported not just uh, uh, not just emancipation but actual racial intermixing, the uh, uh, social and sexual mixing of of the races to form a quote copper colored man that would be the highest form of civilization. They 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 uh, wrote a seventy two page pamphlet in which they uh, created the word miscegenation from the. Uh, Latin words uh, miscere meaning to mix and uh, genus meaning uh, race and um, and had an anonymous author but they sent it out to leading anti-slavery figures around the country I actually found a copy of the letter that came with the one sent to Lincoln hoping to get them to respond to a uh, New York post office box and then they could take those responses public and say, you see, this is what they're really about. Uh, there was a great deal of race baiting in that, uh, in that election campaign. Uh, there was a, 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 Lincoln was referred to as Abraham Africanus the first. Um, uh, as I said, the accusation that what Republicans were really trying to bring about was the mixing of the races, which would, uh, it was a serious offense to uh, many voters of that day, which would have been almost entirely white males. Uh, the idea that um, that their uh, sisters or uh, daughters or uh, would 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 mate with uh, black men would would mate with freed slaves uh, as as an attempt to um, to get them to vote against uh, this president and his administration. So there was, it was, it was a very heavy racial uh, a tenor uh, to this campaign. I, I call it the most racist uh, campaign in American history. And, of course, on the Republican side, there were many accusations being made of treason uh, against the Democrats, that, this, that, uh, that what they were doing constituted domestic treason. And it became a highly uh, rhetorical campaign. A lot of ugly um, uh, accusations both ways. So you mentioned that uh, the electorate in the North are, are primarily white males. Right. Uh, who could vote? Did you you needed to be white? You needed to be male? Yeah, you needed to be white male. Uh, old uh, property requirements of, of, of former generation had 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 really ceased to exist in all the northern states, but. But almost exclusively, uh, their their uh, restrictions on voting uh, would have limited it to white males. Now, I think there were, may have been four states in which uh, free black males could could vote. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, in, in in some, if not all of those, there may have been a property requirement present as well. I know that nowhere could women uh, vote yeah, in, in 1864. So 99% of the electorate easily would have been comprised of white adult males. What about uh, the soldiers? That That's the issue that, <laughs> that arose in 1864, because so many of those white males were away uh, fighting the war. And uh, they didn't really have absentee ballot laws in place at that time. And in 1862, the um, uh, 
absence of so many uh, white males at the front being away from their states fighting the war uh, may have made a significant difference in, in, in the outcome of that election. Lincoln believed it did at least. And so in 1863 and 1864, many states did enact for the first time absentee ballot legislation that would make it possible for uh, soldiers who were away at war to uh, to vote, and and of course that that became quite an issue because who who should who better uh, to vote than those who were putting their lives on the line for the country at uh, at such a critical moment? I mean, you I even hear now in in the present campaign some references being made uh, about whether or not uh, soldiers uh, serving overseas are. Uh, enjoying the same entitlement to vote uh, as as citizens at home here in the states, and that was a huge issue in the 1864 election. Did all the soldiers then have the opportunity to vote in 1864? No, no. In a number of states, uh, particularly states where there were Democratic majorities, uh, Illinois and Indiana, where where the legislatures the uh, legislatures that were controlled by the Democrats were literally dismissed uh, uh, by the governors for, for nearly two years while the war went on. Uh, there was never absentee ballot legislation, and so whether or not uh, soldiers from those states could get home to vote uh, while the war was going on uh, became another. Uh, big issue. Sherman often complained, you know, that uh, you know he he didn't care for politicians, politics, and politics politicians already. But the idea that uh, his his soldiers could be taken away to to vote in an election, but he did he did ultimately uh, allow some Indiana troops to go back and and vote in 1864. But there were a number of other states as well that did not enact absentee ballot legislation. Probably over half the soldiers uh, did get to vote because of changes in the law. But uh, what each state did uh, determined uh, the extent to which its voters would be enfranchised during that election or not. And who did the soldiers vote for? Overwhelmingly, they voted for Lincoln. Uh, overall, it was about three, three to one. About seventy-five percent of this, at least of those uh, of what we know of, of soldier votes. Some of them were mixed in with the general population, but of, of those states from which the uh, soldier votes were computed separately, about seventy-five percent voted for Lincoln. In Western armies, that number was closer to ninety percent. Um, in in McClellan's old army, uh, in in armies uh, in in the East, Army of the Potomac in particular, it was about seventy uh, percent. Uh, but um, in 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 armies that didn't serve under McClellan, uh, it was so uh, overwhelming. I mean, it was nine to one. Um, yeah, ultimately about seventy-five percent of the votes that we know of that were recorded separately uh, went for Lincoln. Now, you mentioned that Lincoln's re-election was in doubt during the campaign. Oh, time. yes, uh, very much so. Um, he himself believed that. Mm -hmm. All of the political prognosticators of the day, all of the pundits, including leading Republican Party operatives, 
uh, were convinced in August and September that he was going to lose the election. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, were convinced in July and August that he was going to lose the election. There was a week at the end of August that is, is so um, important in my mind in, in, in assessing the character and the quality of, of Lincoln as a person and as a president. Uh, where he received a communication from his uh, par- from his Republican Party chairman or his re-election chairman, informing him that he was going to lose uh, uh, four of the five biggest states: Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania, New York, and that the reason why he was going to lose them was because of the impression that his stance against slavery had um, had had made the war into a longer and more remorseless conflict than it needed to be and the people were blaming him for that. And what Henry Raymond, that's his, his manager, was, was telling him was that he needed to offer uh, to withdraw emancipation. He needed to make an offer to the South that he would take it back if they would simply uh, consider re- reunion uh, with the North. And that even though Jefferson Davis would not accept that, that would have such a, uh, a, a revitalizing effect on his candidacy that people would not blame him anymore. They would uh, they would see it was not his fault that the war continued, and and Lincoln considered that, but then he refused to do it. He said it would be uh, it would be worse than uh, than to lose the election to compromise uh, with emancipation. I think that's a remarkable thing, considering the uh, the stakes that were involved at that point. Uh, that he would have taken that stand. I, I think that really is a measure of Lincoln's character. Um, the famous blind memorandum that he uh, he composes on August 23rd and has his cabinet members sign that indicate that on that date he believed he was probably going to lose the election. The words he used was exceedingly probable that we will be defeated in the upcoming election. So to to refuse to renege on emancipation in light of those that that verdict and those stakes, I think is a remarkable measure of what uh, what the man was about. Well, if the election was looking so bleak in July and August 1864, mm-hmm. uh, to the point that Lincoln himself thought he was going to lose, right? What turned it around? Uh, it really was turned around on the battlefield. Um, the reason why I. I refer to Atlanta as the most important military campaign of the war. It certainly doesn't rise to the proportions of a Gettysburg or Antietam or Chickamauga in terms of numbers of, of, of dead and wounded and so forth, but it was the fall of Atlanta. Atlanta was the second most important city still in Confederate control in 1864. And to a remarkable degree, many people looked at Atlanta and whether it continued to remain in Confederate hands or uh, as being a measure of whether the South could still win this war. And when it fell, when uh, when Hood vacated Atlanta and Sherman marched in, uh, it really uh, uh, was a telling event. Uh, a very close friend of Lincoln, Leonard Sweat, writes a letter home to his wife just before that in which he says Lincoln's election is impossible. Uh, it cannot happen. Uh, everything is dismal. Everything is the worst imaginable here. This is the end of August. Let, uh, yet it only came out, that, and, and it came out otherwise that Lincoln was able to win. 
Yeah. And we're going to resume with that when we get back from the break. Uh, this is Civil War Talk Radio uh, with Jerry Prokopovich. <laughs> 